June 14th, Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 43. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They thought he was only pretending to be a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus. Barnabas also told them what the Lord had said to Saul and how he boldly preached in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Then the apostles accepted Saul, and after that he was constantly with them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they plotted to murder him. When the believers heard about it, however, they took him to Caesarea and sent him on to his hometown of Tarsus. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it grew in strength and numbers. The believers were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Peter traveled from place to place to visit the believers, and in his travels he came to the Lord's people in the town of Lydda. There he met a man named Aeneas, who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydda and Sharon turned to the Lord when they saw Aeneas walking around. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time she became ill and died. Her friends prepared her for burial and laid her in an upstairs room. But they had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, Please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other garments Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he showed them that she was alive. The news raced through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon, a leather worker. Today we're reading in Psalm 132, verses 1 through 18. Some students believe that this psalm was written when the Jewish exiles returned to their land from Babylon. This theory explains why David is mentioned. It was a difficult time as the Jews tried to rebuild their temple, their city, and their nation, and their beloved King David had been involved in these endeavors. The returned exiles wanted God to remember His covenant with David and restore their land. David yearned to build the temple, but the Lord chose his son Solomon instead. However, David provided the plans for the temple and much of the wealth needed. Would God desert his people as they tried to rebuild the temple that meant so much to David? And then there's the throne. God promised that David's line would continue on the throne. But now Israel was without a king. In fact, there would be no king until Jesus came, and they would reject him. 
One day he will return and restore David's throne. And then there's the city. Jerusalem was in ruins, but it was the city of David and would not be forgotten by the Lord. He would dwell there, bless the people, and give them joy. He would restore power and light and make the city a testimony to the nations. Listen, when the going is tough, remember those feeble Jews who sacrificed to restore what sin had destroyed. They prepared the way for the Son of God, who came to their city and temple and gave His life for the sins of the world. Why cry? Why cry? In an effort to answer that question, why seemingly waste your tears or waste your power, I want to read 1 Corinthians 13. In fact, I'm just going to read verse 7 in the New Living Translation. Because it's here. See, 1 Corinthians 13 is about us loving. But y'all understand, the word love there in 1 Corinthians 13 is the word agape which of course is love that only originates in God. So actually 1 Corinthians is first and foremost about you understanding how God loves. By the way, you, you don't know how to love until you understand His love. <laughs> Listen to God's love. This is what God's love is all about. You can go back and read the whole chapter. I highly recommend it. And then after you read the whole chapter, read the whole book. And then I recommend the whole New Testament. And while you're doing that, you might as well include the Old Testament before you know it, you read the whole book. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. It says, love never gives up. Never loses faith. You know what that word is? Agape. Unconditional God kind of love never gives up. God kind of love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Do you know why Jesus cried? You know why Jesus healed the harmful and served the selfish? Because of His love. And people, and the exterior, and circumstances cannot change God's love. See, God, God endures with people. Even the faithless and the selfish to the very end. Man must make a decision. That is the gospel we preach. But until a decision is made and a soul passes into eternity, God's love is available to all. Why does he weep? Because though he knows the future, the pain in the present is real. And his love moves him to weep with those that weep. To heal the broken and the hurting. Don't waste your love, Jesus. It's not wasted for God. In fact, it should be noted, God can waste nothing. God cannot do anything that is inconsistent with his character. And nothing about God's character is wasteful. God is faithful. God is purposeful. So everything God does is on purpose. It's not on accident. It's not an oversight. It was intentional. He cried on purpose. He healed the selfish and the, 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 the unholy and the wicked and the evil. He healed them on purpose to demonstrate 
His scandalous love. It never ceases to amaze me to run into someone who has decided to follow Jesus and yet they question His love and His desire to do them good. Friends, I got, a, I got news for you. God does good for even those that do not believe. How much more for them that believe? <laughs> God must function consistency with his character and who he is he physically he is in no condition to heal a bunch of sick people when he goes to get some time alone John the Baptist has just got his head cut off and Jesus realizes the time is coming closer the end is near and he's grieving and he's hurting but when he sees the people, he doesn't put them in categories, does he? He just sees people. He doesn't even consider the potential. He doesn't consider, he overlooks their past. He overlooks their future. And the, the love within God causes him to obsess over their today and their right now. And he says, I've got to help them. 